0: It's just great being with you again and uh, just always feel so welcome being here, Cheryl and myself. We arrived Friday and uh, I go home tomorrow. It's a bit of a flying visit, literally, but Cheryl stays on a bit longer as well, but we feel uh, so much at home with you all, but also it's so exciting to just sense God at work. It's great to meet some new people as well today. It's lovely uh, just to be together in the presence of God. Um, As Josh said, I literally am just back from Mexico. I was just working out. It's like last weekend. uh, I flew in on a Saturday, the early hours of the morning, back from Mexico. And one of the things about Mexico is food, they love food. They love Mexican food, strangely enough. And, uh, but you go there, and you have to be prepared to eat. And, uh, and we certainly ate a lot of Mexican food. And Mexican food is full of, of, of spice. You, you get the chilies. You get the aroma. You, you go into a restaurant, and you can close your eyes... And take a deep breath, and you can think, "I'm in Mexico." Uh, now, strangely, we'd been in the States the week before, and we'd gone to a Mexico restaurant in the States, which uh, you know, which wasn't quite the same. It was trying hard, but you didn't like. It didn't feel like you were in the real thing. And then after you have your Mexican food and and you enjoy it and, and, and you go home and whatever, and next morning you wake up and you get your clothes and you kind of smell your clothes and it smells of Mexican food. It impregnates you. Well, that's because it's the real thing. And today, I've got this privilege of speaking about the grace of God. And the grace of God actually is to permeate everything in us and through us. It's not just something we believe in, but it's something we are to experience. It's something that actually, if I'm put it in this term it's to leave its aroma on us. It's not just something that we talk about on a Sunday morning, but it's something we wake up to on a Monday morning, and we go, what's that? And in fact, other people are to kind of say, what's that smell? What's that aroma? It's the grace of God. And that's why I think you... As a church, so you know, I'm so passionate about owning it as part of your DNA. It's not a bolt on, it's not an accessory, it's there in the very essence of you being the real thing, of you being church as God has designed it to be the grace of God. So let's open our Bibles together. We're going to read from Colossians chapter 1. And we'll go through to verse 14. Colossians chapter 1 and uh, 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you. All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with a knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and that you might please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Is that exciting or what? You kind of want to read it again, don't you? Okay. Being a grace-filled church... Having grace as part of your DNA, loving grace, is first of all knowing the message of grace. I think it's important we, we see where Paul starts this. He, see, he talks about since the day you heard and understood God's grace in all of its truth. And grace comes through hearing that's actually why we do this it's why we preach you know whoever's preaching it's why preaching is part of a graceful church we need to hear the message god has revealed himself through his word it's not that we've put together some good ideas and you know we've got some thoughts about god and thinks of, and thoughts about what he might be like and we put all those together and we have a chat we preach God has revealed himself as a God of grace. It's why in your small groups, you, you talk, you open the Bible together. It's why you've done, you do Bible study as a church, that actually you want to hear something. It happens when we pray. You know, If you opened your ears to the praying that was going on this morning, you were hearing truths about the grace of God. It's what we share, it's what we encourage one another with, that when each other is, is hurting or struggling or in pain, and, and, and you support one another, that you want to bring truths of grace to people. It's saying we hear. That's what Paul says there, since the day you've heard it and understood it. And that's the key thing. It's not actually enough just to hear it. Have you ever had that experience of being a parent and speaking to a child and they might hear you but they've not understood you? I guess that never happens. Do you understand? There's a difference between hearing the words and understanding. There's a difference, you know, where I started of going into a Mexican restaurant and looking at all the rest of it, tamales and enchiladas and this and that and the other, and actually eating it. You see, we don't just look at truths of grace. We don't just tick them off and think, oh, well, yeah, we're, we're okay. You know, we kind of believe in all that stuff. We don't understand it we to know it, to experience it. And that's what Paul says here, since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. And Paul then, having said that, he kind of launches into this prayer. Basically, he wants them to know more. And it's good to take this prayer away with you. It'd be good to kind of own it this week. You know, your own times with God. Why not pray this prayer? Because basically he's praying. He wants them rooted and growing in grace. You see, whatever we've experienced of the grace of God, we can know more. And it's the grace of God that enables us to be mature, to be fruitful. It's to produce something in our lives. It's how we know his will. That's what he's praying for. And he says that, that we might know that we might live a life worthy of the Lord, might please him in every way, bring fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. The grace of God leads us to knowing God. It always takes us somewhere. Grace exalts Christ. It reveals who he is. It's Jesus that's full of grace and truth. Doctrine is so important, but doctrine is always to lead us to a person. It's about knowing Christ. We are to feed On him, and Paul is so passionate about that. This, I've chosen this letter, but actually, all these letters say this in one way or another. He's encouraging them in the truths of these grace of of the grace of God. But actually, in this letter, he, he does also go on to challenge some of the things that undermine grace. He talks about Worldly ideas. You can read about it in chapter 2 and he says this, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental forces of this world rather than on Christ. You see, the world is full of ideas. It's got its philosophies. It's full of its opinions. And none of those Opinions or ideas lead us to grace. They all focus on our effort. So Paul's saying, don't let any worldly ideas take you captive. It's grace. And a bit later, he challenges actually what I'd call super-spirituality where he says, don't let, do not anywhere, don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. You see, sometimes even in the church, talk about worldly ideas, but even in the church there can be some, some weird ideas, super spiritual ideas and kind of mystical ideas and kind of making the gospel something it isn't. And Paul so grounds them in the gospel. Don't let super-spirituality rob you of the grace of God. And then also in chapter 2, he kind of goes for it in chapter 2. You can read about that later. He talks about legalism. He says, um, don't... Um, Why, as though you belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Don't handle this. Don't taste this. Don't touch that. These rules which have nothing to do with grace, they're destined to perish. Legalism. That's that can rob us of the grace of God. You see, sometimes as Christians, so, you know, we know, you know how we became a Christian, and if you're not a Christian this morning, please hear this. How we become a Christian is knowing this. I can do nothing to save myself. Jesus has done everything. That's the good news. And so we, we, we say yes to Jesus. I can do nothing. And we're in his family. And then we start to think, oh, now what do I need to do to make myself better? And we can go down a route of legalism where we put rules and, and we should do this and don't touch that and don't go there and don't look at that and don't do this. And, I mean, it's don'ts and do's and we go down legalism rather than letting the grace of God do its thorough work in our lives, and it's the grace of God that will make us mature. That's what Paul's praying. How do we become fruitful for God? Not through legalism, but it's by his grace. Grace is the four works from beginning to end because it exalts Christ and it enables us to live with him and to receive from him and, by God's grace, to grow more like him. So Paul is challenging these truths, and he does that by praying for them. And in his prayer, he reminds them of these great truths. We are qualified. If you just read back in chapter 1, it says this, The Father... Who qualified you to share an inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light? We're qualified. God has given us something we don't deserve. He's given us the very best, and we had no chance of qualifying. You know, it's often, we live in a world, don't we, where if you go for a job or an interview, often the big question is, what's your qualifications? A lot of that education system is geared on qualifications, qualifications. Now, are you qualified to do that? Now, obviously, there's a good place for that, you know. If I need surgery, I want to know that the surgeon is qualified. That's a good thing. But in terms of entering the kingdom of God, we are totally unqualified and Jesus qualifies us. It's good news. It talks about that we're rescued. It says that we're rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the dominion of the Son he loves. Rescue is for the helpless. Just imagine an awful situation that I hope never happens to any of us, but imagine a a, a fire in your home and you punch in that emergency number. What happens then is you give your address. You don't ask for the fire station's address. If there's a fire in your home, you don't go to the fire station. Excuse me, could you help out? We've got a problem. If there's a fire in your home, you are on that phone and you're crying out for help, Say, come to me, help. They want to know where you are at. That's rescue. And that's what God's done for us in Christ. We had no thought of God. No desire for him. It's not we went to where he's at. He came to where we are and rescues. It says that we're transferred from one kingdom to another. Rescue and transferred. What an amazing thing. It's one thing being rescued. Imagine if you were drowning and kind of the coast guards came and they worked and they you out of the sea and, and they put you in their boat and they take you, to the, you know, on their lifeboat and they take you back to the sinking ship or something. It's help for the moment. It's not help long term. You see, this rescue is more than a help for the moment. It transfers us from, wait for it, this is it in Paul's prayer. That's why he's praying for that they would understand this all the more from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's happened. If you're a believer in Christ right now, that's where you are. You're in the kingdom of light. You've been transferred. You've got a new address. You belong there. No longer in darkness. Yeah, we struggle. Yeah, we can sin. Yeah, we get tempted. Yeah, we get disappointed in ourselves. Yes, 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 but still in the kingdom of light. We haven't slipped back into the kingdom of darkness. We've been rescued and transferred. And then it says, and redeemed. In him we have redemption. Jesus paid a price for us. That's what that word means. And it means this, our sins are forgiven. Is that good news? This is the grace of God. And Paul is praying truths they knew already, but he's praying that they would know it. He's reminding them, he's stirring them. This is DNA stuff. It was in their DNA as a church in Colossae. But just notice, not only it's a message, but it comes through a person. Paul writes about Epaphras. He calls him a fellow servant. He says, you heard and understood this through Epaphras. It's a, that's a remarkable statement. So, our salvation, everything we've said, is totally dependent on God. We can't do a thing. And yet, the message of it gets passed on through people. Is that remarkable? That God in his grace should use people. And, And Paul was saying, look, you know, Epaphras who possibly heard that gospel in Ephesus where Paul was teaching and he was from Colossae and then went back to his hometown and he began to share the good news of God's grace and people got saved. People encountered the grace of God. Through a person. A church was born. A church grew. Remember, you heard it through a person. Just think, who was your Epaphras? I think if we went round, which we won't do, but if we went round and kind of said, okay, shout out a name of someone who's influential in your life as why you became a Christian you'd have a story to tell. Might be one name, might be two names, but a whole group of names. Might be everywhere you went, you seemed to meet Christians. They just didn't stop talking about Jesus until that day you received him. God works through people. But flip that round and let's think this. You are an Epaphras. God's got you where he's got you to be a servant of his grace. God's positioned you. God's chosen you. You see, a bit later in the letter, you can read Paul writes about Epaphras, who said, who's one of you. So He, he was actually born. He was, he, he was in, his home, in his home city. And God's got you in all sorts of situations where you're one of them. He's got you in a school. He's got you in an industry. He's got you in a neighborhood. He's got you in a nation. He's got you right here in Gothenburg because he's placed you here. He was strategic. God was strategic with Epaphras. God's being strategic with you. Paul talks of Epaphras as a servant, a dear fellow servant, and together we're servants of grace. Again, just think of that. We're not just hearing it, not even just understanding it, but we're servants of grace. So wherever you're going to be tomorrow, whoever you're going to be with, you can go smelling of grace. Leaving that aroma of grace bringing the good news of grace just by who you are. God uses people. And then just the third thing is the message of grace. We're servants of grace. And the third thing is that it it builds, it produces a community of grace. You see, grace isn't just an individualistic thing. Now, we hear it as an individual. God challenges us, convicts us. We come to Christ as an individual, but then we're folded into his family. We're part of his body. That's why when Paul, right at the beginning of this, when he's praying for them, or he's thinking of them, and he's sort of saying, I just thank God for you and for the love you have for all the saints. See, grace does something in our lives not just for us but for other people and one of the, the, the real demonstrations, one of the real fruits of grace being evident in church life is love that's what it looks like you say, say, well, what does grace look like? you, you, you can see it it's love a bit later in Colossians 3, and again, it'd be good to almost go back and read some of the scriptures, but in Galatians 3, uh, Colossians 3, it says this, put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against one another. Shall we just pause there? Has anyone had ever a complaint against anyone else? Okay, that's just in England then. Okay. <laughs> okay. But let's just think. You know, church life it can be bumpy, it can be difficult. You've got a complaint against one another. Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's the grace of God. What does grace look like? It looks like that. You see, there's one thing I can say about every single one of you this morning. I know some of you are visiting. It might be your first, second time here. And every single one of you, some just met for the first time, and I'm not being prophetic, but I know I'm 100% accurate. Now I've got your attention, haven't you? Suddenly you think, what am I going to say? God's revealed something to me about every one of you. You all got dressed this morning. Okay? You all got fuel, okay? I know we're in Sweden, but, you know. Okay, we all got, you all got dressed this morning. I look round. You're all wearing clothes. You put something on this morning. And Paul uses that imagery quite powerfully in Colossians. He says, put on your new self. And what does it mean? It means we put on love. Not in a hypocritical, superficial thing because we've, remember we've been transferred from darkness to light so we're in this kingdom of light but sometimes we need to remember to dress ourselves in kingdom of light clothes. Sometimes we go to old clothes that are a bit smelly and not very nice. We need to make sure we go to the right wardrobe and we put on Compassion, we put on forgiveness. And if someone does annoy you or there's complaints, we learn how to respond in grace. That's what Paul's saying. You can see the grace of God. That's why, going back to that Mexican restaurant experience, you can taste it, you can see it, you can touch it, you can eat it, you can smell it next day on you. That's what grace looks like when it's DNA in the church. People who don't know Jesus can walk into a meeting and they don't understand the doctrines of grace but they think there's love here. There's welcome here. That's the grace of God. Grace produces a community, a people who love, a people who are humble. See, legalism does the opposite. That's why we've got to be strong in not in resisting legalism, what legalism does, it judges. It points out faults, it accuses. Grace puts on love. So the church really is God's window on grace. I want to encourage you. You know, this whole section started with Paul saying, the grace of God has come to you. We're going to be sharing in the Lord's Supper, breaking bread, having communion together just in a moment. And if you know Jesus, that's our opportunity to remind ourselves of the grace of God. His body broken for us his blood poured out for us, so that we are now qualified, rescued, transferred, redeemed. We can do that. But as we just share in these symbols together, and they are symbols, but what we can do in our hearts is to feed on Christ. Let's not just look at the menu. Let's feed on him again. Let's know his grace. That's what we've received. But as we do that, let's also think, actually it can come to me, but through me. That I can be an epaphras. Wherever God's called me, I can share the very love and grace of God.